You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So we heard in the, in the testimony right now from Nikki uh, that uh, she had deep-rooted, you, you heard that testimony, I, I hope it kind of, uh, you, you, you discerned that, deep-rooted feelings of not being worthy. In life, you're rooted into something. You're either rooted into the things that are going to bring positive fruit out of your life, or you're going to be rooted in things that are going to bring dead works out of your life or, or a, a, a countenance of instability or a, a, a just a life of, of feeling unworthy and all kinds of different things. And, and so I think about the Christian life like a journey, right? And as you travel on this, on this journey as a follower of Christ, uh, you will notice different, uh, different seasons, different circumstances that are constantly changing. And on this journey, you know, and we'll talk about being rooted in a little bit, but on this journey, there's signposts. There's, there's signs in our life that, that point us to something, right? Um, for example, uh, there are indicators, uh, these, these signs of God that he's either met you in a, in a place in your life and delivered you in a place in your life or Maybe like, uh, like uh, the, the, the testimony of Nikki, she felt abandoned. We were in our small group, Shauna mentioned in our small group, and we were able to be real honest, and we talked about uh, uh, being uh, without Christ, being without God, and, and what were some of the questions that you were asking when you didn't have God, and, and, and some, of the, some of the things that were, that were asked were, God, where are you? Where are you? You know, I've been abandoned in my life. I, I don't have a, a, a mom or a dad in my life. Where, where are you? That's a signpost right there that, of a part of your life that, that you just felt like you, didn't ha- you had nobody. Maybe someone died in your life, and, 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 and it just really broke your heart, and you, it's a signpost. You're like, you feel like, God, why, didn't, why weren't you there? Why didn't you do something to them? Or, or maybe you have, uh, you've had these signposts, and, and, and you've been having to wait on God, and, and you've learned patience in that season. You didn't like the patience, but you learned that God is faithful in his time. Anyone ever had that happen in your life, that you wanted an answer like now? Because we live in a, in a microwave generation where we want everything right now. Uh, I talked about Amazon Prime, you know, every, Walmart. Everyone's trying to beat each other now, competing to see who can get you your package right now. Can I tell you that God's not on a, you know, he is not uh, 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 pressured by our time, but he knows when is the right time for us to get what we need. But, but that's a signpost as well. Um, there, there, are, there are signposts where you felt the presence of God manifested in your life in a real way, uh, where, where you have just been, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to talk from my own perspective. There's been times that I can look back where God met me at a, at a, at a place. He met me at a season in my life where I just felt his presence in a very real way. And sometimes it brought tears, uh, and I just felt him just really filling me with his spirit 
and, and, and that's a signpost to me that, that, that he's real. Um, there's also um, times where he has helped you in a very difficult situation, a very difficult decision. How many of you have had a decision you've had to make and, and you've sought God in the process and he has met you there and he's brought the answers that, that you need? Um, so we're going to go into chapter 2 of Colossians, and in this chapter, we're going to look at, at not only signposts, but when you're rooted in, in Christ, when you're rooted in God, uh, you will be able to bear fruit in whatever season that you're in, whatever, whatever uh, circumstance that you're facing, God is bigger than that. And so uh, the main uh, base of our, uh, of our message is going to be from the text of chapter 2, verses uh, 6 and 7. But we're going to look at a lot of different things uh, from that, from that uh, chapter. And how many of you have been enjoying reading the, the chapter uh, during the week? How, how many of you, just by a show of hands, have read Colossians during this week? Anybody been reading? I have been hearing so many testimonies of individuals that are reading the Word and it's just speaking to them. And the word is what really changes our lives. And, and I said this. There's two reasons you should be reading uh, each chapter as I go through it. Number one, you should be reading to see if the things that I say or any other pastor align themselves to the word of God. And if they don't align themselves to the word of God, you believe the word of God more than what anyone else says. Are you with me? And then the second thing is that you need to read so that you can get the word of God in you. The more God you get in you, the more God that will come out of you. The less God you get in you, the less God that will come out of you. And so it's vital for us to, to get more God into our spirit, into our heart, and into our lives. I'm going to pray a blessing over the word, and then we're going to go into the message. Father, thank you for uh, every person that's here. Every person is so special to you, Lord, and uh, they've, they've made it uh, a priority to be here this morning and so I pray your blessing upon them. Uh, bless every mind, every heart, uh, every uh, physical body who's here, Lord God. But I also pray a blessing over their spiritual man, their spiritual person, that you will quicken their hearts to discern your things, Lord God. And as we open up your word, I pray that, uh, Holy Spirit, you give me the ability to speak in a way that honors you. Uh, to speak in a way where I am an instrument and a, and a voice for you and that you'll be very pleased uh, with everything that comes out of my mouth, Lord God. And, and, and also my prayer is that uh, we'll be people that not only speak the word, but we'll be people that will live the word and, uh, and that people around us will be not only intrigued, but they'll desire to have what we have and what we have is Jesus. And so may we be very comfortable and confident to give Jesus to the people you bring into our lives. I pray for every empty seat, Lord God. There's a, there's a person's name on those seats. I pray, Lord God, that you will fill these seats, Lord God. I pray that our people will be very comfortable with a bring-vitation where we will invite and bring our friends and our family and we'll trust that you'll do the rest. And so we pray for this, Lord God. Let us add another service if we have to, Father, late after that. Just do your work. We'll do whatever you call us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so verse 6 and 7 go like this. It says, so then, he's talking to the Colossians. Remember this, Paul, he's writing from prison. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives 
in him. Not in yourself, but in him. The book of Ephesians talks about that a lot, that you're in Christ, right? Uh, Verse 7, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. See, God doesn't want you to be a weak Christian. Someone say that to, to, to your neighbor. God doesn't want you to be a weak Christian. He wants you to be strengthened in the faith. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So how important is the word of God? How important is it for me to preach the word of God every Sunday? It's what's going to strengthen you, right? It's what's going to establish you. It's what's going to help you. He said, uh, strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. How many of you here today are overflowing with thankfulness? Or how many of you are just kind of a little bit of thankfulness this morning? It's okay if you have a little bit. It's better than having none. Right? You're just thankful to be here. You were thankful to get up this morning. Right? Liar. Liar pants on fire. Some of us, some of us thought, hey, man, I, I, maybe I can just go uh, hiking or no. Bobby's saying, no, I was ready. I'm ready to hear the word. Right? So from this, from this, uh, this passage right here, I'm going to talk about three truths that will keep you moving forward in Christ. What's going to keep us moving forward in Christ. And the first truth to keep you moving in the, in the forward direction or moving in a, in a northbound uh, direction is you received so that you can live. You received Jesus so that you can actually start to live. That's why Paul wrote to the Colossians Just as you received Christ Jesus as, what's the word right there? Lord, Lord, kurios. The Greek word kurios, supreme in authority. Okay? You've received Christ as your kurios, as the supreme in authority. Continue to live your lives in him. See, you need to grab a hold of this truth. Receiving Jesus is not the end, but the beginning of your life. When you uh, pray to receive Christ as your Savior, that's not the end. That's just the beginning, the starting point point of this not only everlasting life, but abundant life that you can have in Christ. And so Paul says it's very important that you receive Christ, but you receive him as Lord. You need to continue to live your lives in him. The goodness of God in your life begins the moment that you receive Jesus as Lord, and it never stops. Someone tell your neighbor, the goodness of God is for me. The goodness of God is for me, and the goodness of God is for you. We sing it all the time. God is good, right? He's good. Whoa, 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 make all these different, right? We even add the woes to it, right? But do we really live that way? Do we really live like the goodness of God is upon our lives? We should. That's what Paul is saying. You say, you received Christ. You have received the greatest thing in the world. I'm not saying that you're not going to experience difficulties in your life. If, if, if that was true, then Paul would not have been writing from prison. But what we find in Paul's letter is that his circumstances didn't determine the goodness of God. The goodness of God always determined his circumstances. 
No matter what he faced, whether he was in prison, whether he was in shackles, he would always sing the praises of God. And it changed his life. It changed people around him. And what we need to grab a hold of is when you receive Christ as Lord, you need to live in that. You need to walk in that. You need to be established in that. You need to continue to, to move forward. It's about, it's about moving in a forward direction with the Lord. Right? Um, there is a progression that begins when you give your life to the Lord. There's a progression. We're advancing the kingdom. Do you remember last week Nikki Gumbel talked about, you know, at Alpha, they're not about uh, bringing people in that are already church. They're really looking to, to seek for people that are not church, that are not believers. Why? Because if you bring only believers in all the time, you're not advancing the kingdom. The kingdom is being advanced when you reach people that don't know God. So if you have friends in here that don't know God, that's a good thing. But my question to you is, are you representing Christ in a way that honors the Father? And are you, are you, are you uh, afraid or intimidated to share the greatest package with them, which is God himself? That's what everybody needs, Right? Uh, the, the, the Bible tells us to be aware of this. The good news was preached to us so that, in Colossians 1.10, it says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Notice how it says the Lord, because we're going we're gonna to differentiate the difference between Savior and Lord. Jesus is your Savior, but he's also your Lord, okay? When you think about Lord, uh, uh, when you read that word, I want you to, to think about what the literal means. It means he's the supreme in authority. In other words, he's in control, and that's hard for us to relinquish. It's very difficult for us to relinquish the control of our lives to, to God, right? We'll talk about that in, in, in greater detail in a little bit. It's a, but it's very important that when we live our life, we need to live it worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, right? Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. The more you know God, the more you'll do the things of God. The less you know God, the less you'll do the works of God. Of God. That's why it's so important for you to internalize the word of the word of what? The word of God, but it's also the word of what? Truth. The word of truth. The more truth we get into, into our hearts, the better we're going to be. God receives us where we're at, but he never leaves us there. God received me as an unfaithful uh, man, uh, as, a, as a liar, a conniver, all these different things. I could go on and on and on. Remember last week I talked about don't forget where you once were. Never, don't focus on that, but don't forget where you once were. And then I, I, I talked about, and then uh, you need to grab a hold of where you're at now, right? When you receive, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you're holy, you're blameless, you're faultless. And so, so as, you, as you grab a hold of that, God will find you. He'll love you where you're at. He'll never stop loving you, but he'll never leave you there. If your life was about lying, he'll, he'll guide you so that you start walking in honesty. If your life was about cheating, he'll guide you so that you stop cheating. If your life was about pride, where you're prideful, where you're full of yourself, where you're a narcissist, uh, he, will, he will guide you. He'll... he'll put you on a path where you begin to humble yourself, right? You begin to humble yourself, and you begin to, to, to reflect God's glory in and through you. Jesus was the greatest person ever to live because he was God in the flesh, and yet he humbled himself and became just like us, even to the point of a servant. 
And he's our, he's our model. So God will continually be growing us. He, he, the Holy Spirit will motivate us to move in a, in a forward direction where we become more and more like Jesus. Paul wrote to a young pastor by the name of Titus. And uh, Paul had raised Titus up just like he raised Timothy up. And he said this in in verse 14 of chapter 2. He said, Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, all that we've done. He, you know, Jesus gave himself up for us and he redeemed us from everything that we've done, everything that we will do and everything that we will in the future do. And to purify for himself a people that are, that are, uh, are his very own eager to do what is, what is good. And so that progression that begins to happen, God has called you into this, 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 uh, this, this walk with him where you're going to begin to move forward and you're going to be growing up in Christ and becoming more like Christ every day. Remember when we started the series, I said that, that uh, where I'm at today, 25 or 26 after my, my, my salvation experience, I look a lot more like Jesus than I did when I first started walking with God because progressively he's moved me in this direction. And every one of us, God progressively wants to move you in a direction where you become more and more like Christ. So what does it mean? What does it mean to receive Christ? What does it mean? The Bible's very clear. It, it helps us. It gives us the, 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 the very uh, definition of that. In, in chapter 15, in chapter 15, Verse 1 through 4, we're going to see exactly what it means, okay? Paul is, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he starts out with this, and, he, and he's going to, in this, in this passage, he's going to say, this is of first importance, this is the most important thing that you can grab a hold of. He said, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, of the gospel I preach to you. The gospel means what? Good news, Okay? Remember in, in Colossians, he says, this gospel was preached to you, and it's bearing fruit in you, and it's preached to the world, and it's bearing fruit in the world. He said, I became a servant of the gospel, right? Now, now here in, in, in the, the letter to, to the Corinthians, he says, he says, this gospel I preach to you. So Paul teaches us, as all the other apostles, that the gospel is center. It's a very central part of what we share with people. And that is good news. And the good news never, ever stops being good news. It never stops being, it never ceases being good news. And that is that we can't and Jesus did. We don't, but Jesus will. He says, uh, uh, which you received, he said, the gospel which I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Notice he doesn't say anything about works. He says, if you have your faith, trusting in what Jesus did for you, it will change your life. It will save you and continue to save you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So your salvation is always based on your faith, not on your works. Always. He goes on in verse 3, for what I received... Paul said, for I received this, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So the word of God is truth, and it testifies to the fact that Jesus Christ came, God came from heaven, 
And he came and he became a man. And on his 33rd year, he went to the cross at Calvary and he bore our sins. But the cross didn't have the last word. And he bore our sins on the cross. And on that, they buried him. And on the third day, he rose again, just like the Bible said he would. And if you hold on to that truth that Jesus completed the work that we will never be able to complete, it will change your life and continue to change your life forever. Receiving Christ is trusting in the gospel from the beginning of your walk to the end of your walk. Trusting in the Lord. You should never say on your deathbed, I hope I did enough. Hear me now. You should never say on your deathbed, I hope I did enough. Because then you're trusting in you and you're negating the the work of the cross. You should always say on your deathbed, Jesus did it all. And I trust in everything that he did. So um, you receive Christ and he becomes your savior. But I want to I want to say something that's vitally important. And that important thing is that that when you walk with God, when you receive Jesus, we're gonna have baptisms uh, second service. We're gonna have baptisms next week. People are gonna receive Christ. They're they're, they're, they're actually taking a, 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 a they're, they're following the, the commandment of next steps that what happened internally is actually going to be revealed externally through the baptism. But when you receive Christ, you're saved because of what he's done, but also you receive him as your savior, make Jesus your savior, but you also make him your Lord. You make him your Lord. And I'm going to say something to you, and you may agree with me, And some of you actually live it, because I do. If we're honest, most of us want to be saved from the penalty of our sins, but a lot of us don't want to be saved from all our sins. Right? We want to be saved from the penalty of our sins. We We don't want nothing to do with the penalty, because there's a penalty for our sins. And guess who took that penalty? Jesus. But how many of us would, when you're honest, say, I don't know if I want to be delivered from all of my sins. In fact, some of them, I kind of like them. <laughs> right? But, and that's important. That's important for us to grab a hold of. And the reason for that is because, okay, so we can just have Jesus as our Savior. And then you, walk, you live your life and you, you live it on, on, in your own intentions. You do your own things. You maybe live a, a, a Romans chapter 7 kind of life where you say, the things I don't want to do, those things are the things that I do. Uh, you know, that, that wretched man that I am, that wretched woman that I am, and all these different things. But, but there's something that happens when you not only make Jesus your Savior, but you also make him your Lord. And when you make him your Lord, um, you, you submit to God's rule in your life. It's like Jesus teaching us how to pray. You know, our Father who art in heaven... Holy or hallowed is your name. Now, the next thing is important. Your kingdom come and your will be done. When you say that right there, you're submitting yourself to God's will. You're submitting yourself to God's plan for your life. And I love the way that R.C. Lucas put it. He's a great theologian. He put it like this. He said, true conversion implies the right for Christ to rule and therefore determine the shape and the character of what in his eyes is worthy and consistent living. We don't determine what's right 
in, in, in our life, we let God determine what's right. And when we submit ourselves to his plan, we say, you're the Lord. You're the supreme authority. You're the one that, that, that leads me in the ways of righteousness. Now, my righteousness is not something that I can do in my own ability or in my own merit. It's imputed to me through what Christ has done. But with that, the Holy Spirit dwells in me, dwells in every follower of Christ in here. And the Holy Spirit will always lead you to do things that are going to honor God. Always. If you're rooted in Christ, we don't determine what's right for our lives. We've given that rule over to him. Again, Paul writing to Titus, he said this. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Okay, what, what teaches us to say no? Grace. The grace of God, it leads us. It, 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 it says, God, Jesus did so much for you, and he's got so much also for you. For you to live your life. So the grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. Thank you, Lord. I've received that. It it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, and it's going to explain what the blessed hope is, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Bible calls Jesus who? God and our Savior. So if someone argues with you that Jesus is not God, say the Bible says it very clearly right there. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself people that are his very own eager to do what is good. So when people uh, say, are you saved when you pray a prayer of salvation? I'll say, yes, if you walk in the faith. If you walk in the faith, Right? First of all, God knows everything, but when you, when you make Jesus your Savior, you also need to make him your what? Your Lord. And, and you walk in his grace, and you understand that you're not going to earn any merit in your own, in your own abilities. Number two, okay, uh, you are rooted to be built up. You are rooted to be built up. Verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in him. So you're transplanted from the, from the bad soil of life and you're tram, transplanted into the good soil of God. Uh, in fact, I love the way that uh, verse 13 of chapter 1 said it. Uh, when, when Paul wrote, he has delivered us from the domain or uh, the location of darkness. We lived in the, in the, under the rule of the devil. And he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So God actually planted me. I was here. I lived in the world. I, I, I did all the things of the world. But God, when I, re- when, I, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ and I received him as my Savior, he transplanted me. He said, that soil's not good. You'll never produce fruit in this soil. And how many of you understand that you'll never produce the, the fruit of God in the soil of the world? You will never produce the fruit of God in the soil of the world. So he transplants you spiritually And he puts you in the kingdom of his beloved son. And when you're planted into Christ, you're planted into Christ, then you can bear the fruit of Christ. And it's amazing when that happens. 
the call for Christ followers is to grow in Christ, but you will grow into his grace. And the problem for the Colossians is that they were pulled in different directions by religious, uh, uh, religious people that put all their, their, their trust in what they can do and rules and regulations. Hear me now. This is important to you. That if you live your life by rules and regulations, you will always fail as a Christian because we're notorious for breaking them. The law, the, the, the perfect law of God, the Ten Commandments were not given to save you. They were given as a tutor to teach you that you can't keep them and to point you to the Savior. None of us can keep rules or regulations. And the philosophies of man, the philosophies of man that talk, say, I, I'm a good person. And you know what? We're not as bad as someone else. Can I tell you, there is no one that's good. I, I was talking to someone at the Kearney campus last week, and they were saying to me, you know what? Uh, there's this, this couple, and uh, this, this young man, he's a, he's, a, he's a good guy. He's a good kid. Uh, and, and they got into a, a bad fight, and, you know, the... The, 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 you know, the girlfriend did, you know, she did things and, and, you know, but this is a good guy. And I looked at him, at, at the guy who was talking to me and I said, is there anyone who's really good? You know, we're, we're talking about this good guy and uh, uh, he's, he's uh, with this young lady and they've had a baby together out of wedlock. Do you think the, the dad of that, of that young lady was, was real happy that, that his daughter was having a, a baby, you know, Without, there's a lot of dynamics right there. Is there anyone who's really good? And so, so, so here's the deal, is that philosophy of man says that you can be good in your own ability. Right? If you do these steps, you're going to be good. But the reality is Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good. And what he was telling that young, rich young ruler, if you call me good, you're calling me God. Because only God is good. Amen? So, so Paul is, is teaching these Colossians, and he's teaching us today that you're always going to be bombarded with all kinds of different philosophies and all kinds of voices saying, you can do it in your own ability, or, or you're not that bad. In fact, there's a philosophy that says you can be like God. The New Age movement tells you that everyone is a God, and you can be just like God because you have, that in, in, you have that innate ability to do so. But the reality is you, aren't, you don't. You can't be like God. There's only one God. I'm, I'm going to show you right now, okay? Um, in uh, verse uh, 16 through 23, this is probably some of the most important uh, uh, text that we can grab a hold of. Paul, again, talking to the Colossians. He's, he's, he's following up. He says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Okay? There are churches, there are, there are, there are people that will teach you that if you go back to the Levitical way of eating, that, that you're going to be in good standing with God. They'll take you back to the old and try to, try to fix you that way. But if Jesus completes you, then the way that you eat has nothing to do with your, your relationship with God. Now, the way that you eat might be healthy for you physically, but it has nothing to do with your right standing with God. Okay? Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Or for not celebrating certain holy days. Or new moon ceremonies. Or Sabbaths. You know, if, you don't, if you're not meeting the Sabbath, he said, don't let anyone condemn you for that. Okay? He's going to go on. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. 
He's saying Jesus was the reality of all these types, all these shadows, all these days. And if you have Christ, he fulfilled everything. Don't let, verse 18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. In other words, if I, don't, if I, if I just resist everything, you know, I, I look at me, I'm holy, and people look really holy on the outside, and Paul's going to say, that doesn't determine your holiness. There has to be something that changes on the inside. He's going to deal with that right now, right? Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels. And, and what was happening there in the, in the, in the, in the Colossian church is that there were people coming in and saying, you know, we've seen angels, we have seen, uh, we've got visions of, of this angel, and, and this angel is teaching us this way, but it was contrary to the word of God. And angels to this day have come to people and given them another testament. And they put that angel on the top of their temple with a horn. And they put a big light on it. But the Bible is very clear. That that right there does not save you. He says, he says you know, don't let anyone uh, condemn you, okay? Um, visions of these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ. So listen to what the word says. He says, on the outside they look really good. But on the inside they're full of sin. They're full of, they're full of, of, of garbage. It teaches us something that's vitally important. That God is more interested on what's going on on the inside in our hearts than how we're living on the outside. Are you with me? Because some of you guys, you condemn yourself because you, you say, uh, look at these things that I'm doing. I'm not doing, I'm not good enough, blah, blah, blah. You'll never be good enough. Only God is good. Okay, I'm going to keep on going. This is good stuff right here. If it's not good for you, it's really good for me. I love it. He said, their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, who is the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments. And it grows, the body or the church, it grows as God nourishes it. Okay? Just like a plant that's rooted, it'll grow. Okay? You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? I'm going to pause right there because what happens to us is we get saved by Jesus and then we, re, we, uh, um, we begin to go back to our old patterns and our old trusting in things that, that, that God has set you free from. Because if Jesus is everything, then everything else is insignificant. Are you with me? You don't need that rabbit's foot anymore. You don't need that, uh, and, I, and I hate, uh, I'll be careful saying this, but you don't need that, that you don't, you, people do the sign of the cross. You don't, it's okay if you do that, but you don't need that anymore. God's not going to bless you more or less for the sign of the cross. Oh boy, did I just say that? And it's being recorded. But don't we revert back to, to, to everything, you know, I, I remember my mom, I, you know, she got saved, she received Jesus as her savior, but, at, and, you know, her, her last words, not to me, she was not going to tell me this, but to my brother was, make sure you bury me with my, with my uh, rosary, make sure you bury me with that, I'm going to hold on to that, you know, we, we receive Christ, but we retract, we go back to the things that are elementary, that mean nothing if Christ is everything. Are you with me? That's exactly what he's saying right here. He said, 
Why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, they require pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So Martin Luther is on his knees going up in, uh, in Rome, making this promise, as everyone did, showing his piety, showing how pious he was and how holy he was in his own abilities. And he's walking up these stairs because you get more holy the more, the more you hurt yourself, the more that you, that you, that you suffer for, for Jesus. And as he's climbing these stairs, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and he says, the just shall live by faith. And he got up. And he said, all I need is Jesus. And so many people start out with Christ and you try to finish in your own ability. So many of us are tempted by that. The temptation will always be to either make yourself right with God or to keep yourself right with God through your own effort or your own spirituality. And you need to remember this, beloved. This is very important, that the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. We'll be celebrating Halloween pretty soon, and you'll see all these goblins and all these boo, these devils. That's not how the devil's going to come to you. The devil will come in a very, very enlightened way to steer you away. And the way that you recognize the devil in your life is that he'll always minimize Christ and maximize you. That's why works are never a good thing. If you, if you base your relationship with God by what you do, you're minimizing Jesus and you're maximizing yourself. You begin to look down on other people or you begin to look down on yourself. See, religious people, religious people are notorious for always looking at other people's sins. Because if you look at yourself, you know what you find? We fall very short. And if you live your life looking at yourself, you're going to be very, very guilty all the time. Okay, number three. I don't have much time, so. Number three, you are taught, you are taught the things of God so that you can walk in truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the life and there's something sandwiched in between that. I am the truth. And he wants to establish his truth in you. If you have Jesus in your life, you have truth. You're strengthened in your faith. And Paul is telling them, you're strengthened in your faith that you've been taught. So the Holy Scriptures are truth. We never deviate from the Scriptures. 
And then when you do that, you're overflowing with thankfulness. Our victory over the devil is never a power encounter because the devil has a lot more power than us. It's a truth encounter. And the truth is this, that we have the authority in Christ to overcome the works of the devil. A police officer, when he's, when he's managing traffic, a police officer, he does not have the power to stand in front of a Mack truck and stop it in his own power, in his own, in his own strength. He can go like this, come on, I'll take you on. And that truck, will guess what it'll do? It'll run over him. But that police officer has something that makes that truck and every other, every other vehicle at that intersection stop. He's got a badge that gives him the authority to go bleep, bleep, bleep. And that's what you have as a child of God. You have the power, and you, mean, you have the, the, the authority in Christ to go bleep to the devil. And that devil's like, you know what? Simon says, no, Jesus says. Jesus says. And if you walk in truth, and if you put your anchor in the truth of God and the truth of Christ and who you are in Christ, and you're rooted in him, doesn't matter what comes at you. Doesn't matter what comes at you. You're going to stand because you're standing in God. Uh, Paul wrote to uh, Timothy, another young pastor. He said, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. He said, or of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed. He said, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of what? Of God. So, so what, what Paul is teaching Timothy, what he's teaching us is that there is, a, there is a power and authority that we have in God that no matter what we're going through, we're going to overcome. Can you say that this morning? We're going to overcome. We're going to overcome. And we're going to keep advancing. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going we're to let God uh, uh, direct our life, direct our steps. We're going to align ourselves with God. How many of you... I'm about ready to wrap this up like a present, but how many of you have uh, recently or in some time since you became a follower of Christ, follower of Christ, how many of you have, uh, have stopped doing something that was very normal to you? You know, normal, you were in the world, it was very normal to you to do that, that, those kinds of things. And, and, and now, because of Christ, you've been able to walk away from that, and you're doing things that honor him, right? That's going to continue, beloved. In fact, this week, you're gonna be, you will be tempted with things that you did in the past that were very normal. That might, might be your speech. See, I'm not, I'm not here to do speech control. Like, I can't believe you said that. That's you and God. Maybe it's a little lie, you know, you categorize your lies like, ah, this is a little white lie. <laughs> right? God's saying, a lie's a lie, a lie's a lie. Or, or maybe it's, you know, cheating, maybe it's all kinds of, maybe it's looking at things that you shouldn't be, but the Holy Spirit is, wants to progressively move you into a place, and let me tell you something, when he moves you to that place, you're going to be more connected to God. And when you understand that it's by his grace 
that there's no condemnation ever in Christ, you are going to give him glory for what he's doing. Okay, here's my three takeaways from this chapter. Here's my three takeaways. Um, Every person who has accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord should desire and thirst to learn Christ and grow in Christ. Every one of us should, should desire that. The Holy Spirit will give you a desire to learn Jesus and to grow in him. Okay? That's why Alpha is so important. That's why everything that we do together, God, God is going to plant that desire in you to want to be a part of a group, to start a group. Some of you guys say, maybe I don't want to go to a group, but I want to invite three unchurched people or two unchurched people or one unchurched people. I want to invite them and I want to start a group. Just talk to Pastor Mike. Go to the Welcome Center. Say, I want to start a group. What do I got to do? We make it very simple for you to win your friends and your family to Jesus. Okay? The second thing, make the gospel of first importance. Make the good news of first importance. Always, always make the good news that Jesus paid it all. Make it first and foremost. And the the third thing is keep the gospel as of first importance. Don't ever stray from the gospel. Don't ever stray from the gospel. Don't ever start telling people, if you act this way, you should be acting this way, you should be doing this. You're leaving the gospel. You, you need to just continually say, Jesus died for your sins to redeem you from yourself, from, to redeem you from your past. The Holy Spirit is bigger than us to work inside of people to change their lives. Did you know that? How many of you have tried to do the Holy Spirit's work? If you're married, you have. I know, don't be lying to me, you know. If you're married, you have, you have tried to play the Holy Spirit. Shauna does that every morning. <laughs> Did you do this? I'm like, I know. <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for revealing to me that Jesus is enough. That the gospel is good news. That the cross of Jesus saves me and his resurrection gives me a new start and a new life. Lord, I choose to open up my heart to Jesus Christ and accept him as Lord and as Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more